how is it that the that the small passage of time feels like it was a long time, but the passage of years feels like it's extremely rapid? How can you explain that? It's the internet. The internet has screwed all of our brains up. Time out. What? Time out. What? Time out. Can we go backwards for a second when you said, uh, yeah, you needed help with this draft? And you just admitted that your son is just building the drafts for you. So I'm beating. Just, let's just I'm, get this on the record. Let's just get it on the record because this is great. This is great because what a slip up by you. I am beating not, I'm, two generations of Florio when I draft. Two generations. I'm taking out your whole family tree every time we do this draft on Fridays. What I just learned is you have an army full of narcs, which is crazy. I never knew that. It just scurry around the internet looking like peeping in Dak Prescott's window to see how many people are having a party there and, and watching Gronk and how long he's had the playbook. Oh, it's been a while. Look who's back. Here he is. With, and he, he tried the Jedi mind trick on me. He really does have a new jacket, or at least it's a different jacket. He is Big Cat, also known as Dan Katz. Here with us on Peacock and Sirius XM 211, also Sky Sports. I know that there have been plenty of people from the UK and Ireland who have been asking for you to come back. And we've tried. You've big-timed us multiple times, but now you're finally back. Welcome back. I big-time you slash had another child. That's how long it's been. Um, (laughs) It's good to be back. I did lose my – I temporarily misplaced my jacket, so I'm going to find it. It will will be found. That one is legendary. So I have this one. I looked in my closet and, like, Inspector Gadget going through everything. It looks exactly the same. It was basically uh, this one that was a little bit lighter. I have one question for you, Mike, before we start. I'm a little out of practice. Uh, we are on Peacock streaming services right now. That means I can swear, right? No, no. I I, that, I don't understand that because like every movie I watch on Peacock has swear words in it. But we no, we still you can like say ass and no. Hell I'm not gonna. Damn. I'm not gonna. I just wanted to make you a little nervous that maybe I just don't remember how to do I'm this. Not, okay, you're not I'm nervous not at nervous. all. I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. No, no. I'm drunk, so there's no reason <laughs> to be nervous. Um, I, I, I know what this is going to be, and I've been very conflicted in my emotions about this. On one hand, I genuinely have been looking forward to seeing and talking to you again. I've missed you. On the other hand, I have not missed at all the torment through which you try to place me when we do this show, making me nervous about things that I don't otherwise need to be nervous about vowing to dominate me in the draft and I helped in my view engineer a draft today that is domination proof but I'm sure you'll still find a way to do it so anyway it it is good to have you back but it's also not good for me to have to worry over the next two hours about you constantly coming after me it's constantly trying to insult me Listen, it's good to be back. It's good because you need someone who keeps you on your toes. In fact, for people who are watching this right now, you don't know this. A little behind the scenes, a little behind the curtain. When uh, when Chris Sims got lied to by Kyle Shanahan, NBC called me up and was like, can you replace him full time? Uh, and I was like, no, I can't. He has to keep working. So um, I, I, I said no to that, but I am back temporarily for a Friday. 
Okay, good. Yes, that that has been confirmed as completely and totally accurate that that did go down. I I am aware of those email exchanges. Okay, let's get to it. And what we're going to do here, it's going to be a little weekend review-ish. We're going to get into some topics that that were specifically cultivated because we suspect that Big Cat's going to have some strong opinions about them. And let's begin since he is a lifelong Chicago Bears fan with the news that has been percolating the past two months as it relates to the quarterback of the Bears' arch rivals, the Green Bay Packers. Recently, and this is fresh, this is fresh, but the, obviously the story isn't, Matt LaFleur, the coach of the team, talking about whether or not he needs to have two plans of approach for the 2021 season, depending upon who the quarterback is. Here's what LaFleur had to say. No, we'll have, we'll have one plan. We've kind of uh, pretty much laid that out, just going to fine-tune some things over the next few weeks and uh, just in terms of the logistics of our schedule and whatnot. But we've got what we feel is a pretty good blueprint um, in terms of how to get our guys ready to play. Obviously, it, it is a little bit different this year uh, in terms of the number of preseason games and then you compare it to last year, so you're kind of leaning back on the 2019 season. Um, so, but you know, we feel confident with what we, what we'll have in place with the guys and, um, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to getting them back, uh, July 27th. They wrapped their off season program yesterday. They did kind of a weird thing at the end. They did their mandatory mini camp last week. This week they had a scaled down set of OTAs. That's LaFleur meeting the media on the way out the door as we all now wait to see when, if, whether, whenever, however, Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. What's been your overall thought on this whole thing that Rodgers first brought up after they lost to the Bucs, and then two days later he tried to act like it was no big deal, and then the day of the draft, the day the draft began, it all blew up, and it stayed blown up ever since then. What's been your thought as to all of what's gone on with Rodgers since their season ended? My thought has been pretty consistent throughout. It's that Aaron Rodgers' happiness is paramount in my mind. I want him to be happy. I want him to enjoy his life. And it seems to me like Green Bay is a toxic place for him. No, but seriously, uh, it's it's so clear that it's just timelines got screwed up here, right? Like you, we all we all know exactly what happened. Aaron Rodgers had a, a not great year a couple of years ago. The last year for Mike McCarthy. The Packers said, okay, this guy is in his mid to late 30s. We, as an organization, which I'm going to give the Packers credit, this is why the Packers are consistently good, is that they are always thinking to the future. They are always saying, hey, we're not going to mortgage everything right now. We're going to try to keep this going consistently throughout. Uh, And then Aaron Rodgers played out of his mind. And Aaron Rodgers went to -to back-to-back NFC Championship games. And Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. And their timeline got screwed up because I think they were fully ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers after this coming year. And that's why they drafted Jordan Love. And that probably made Aaron Rodgers upset. And the timelines got screwed up because Aaron Rodgers outplayed their expectations for him at his point in his career. And now they're stuck with a situation which I don't really understand how it gets fixed. I I mean, Mike, you, you know a lot more about the inner workings and, and you hear a lot more. I, I, if you had to, if you had to say, hey, you have to pick one or the other. Like you have to pick, you have to make a decision. I still think Aaron Rodgers is a Packer Week One because I don't know how this gets fixed if both sides 
just say, like, we're not moving at all because I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to retire. But it doesn't feel like a relationship that is built to last here. No, absolutely not. And I think the key was 2019, even though they went 13-3, and they may have seen some signs that caused them to think, okay, eventually Father Time is going to win as to him, as it will, as to every other quarterback. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready. They would say they didn't go into the 2020 draft with a plan to get a quarterback. It just kind of unfolded that way. They wanted Justin Jefferson. Didn't get him. The Vikings did. They wanted Brandon Ayuk. They didn't get him. The 49ers jumped the line to get Ayuk. And then they kind of freaked out after the 49ers took Ayuk at 25 they freaked out and moved up to 26 to get Jordan Love instead of trying to get a receiver. They had a team that was Super Bowl ready or close to it, and this kind of threw the curveball at everyone's head as we tried to figure out what in the hell is going on. And one thing Rodgers said earlier in the offseason, I think it was with Kenny Mayne. He's spoken a few times, but in the appearance on Maine's Final Sports Center, the notion that Rodgers' performance in 2020 threw a wrench into their plans. I think Rodgers believed they were going to make the switch after 2020, but he has the great season. They go back to the NFC Championship. They get so close to winning, I think they felt compelled that they had to keep him around for another year, especially when you consider Jordan Love didn't have a preseason to develop. He got limited reps, never dressed for a game. I think they're nervous about the prospect of going forward with Jordan Love this year. They want Aaron Rodgers for one more year, unless deep down I kind of wonder whether Mark Murphy does. I think Mark Murphy would kind of like it if he didn't show up and they get $35 million back and then they trade him next year. He doesn't go somewhere else and make them look bad this year, but they don't have to deal with him this year. I think Murphy hopes he doesn't show. But I agree with you. When it's time to show, he's going to because – What's he got? Four years left. You're going to give up 25% of your remaining career just because you don't like the guy who runs the team. You like your coaches. You like your teammates. You like the fans. You love Green Bay. You're not going to show up because there's one or two guys that you don't like. I don't buy that. But with all that said, and I agree with everything you said, Aaron Rodgers is the one guy that you could actually see that happening with because he does feel like uh, someone who takes these things personally that says when you know when he feels he wore the I'm offended shirt earlier this week on a uh, I think it was a Zoom call with, before the match their play uh, their golf match he he clearly is that type of personality I'm not saying that's right or wrong I'm saying that that's just what you're dealing with is a guy who is has strong opinions and if he feels slighted he's going to say it and he's going to act the way that a slighted person acts I the whole thing is fascinating, and obviously removing myself from the fact that I just want Aaron Rodgers out of the NFC North, so I've been uh, commenting on all his Instagram posts and basically being like, you look so happy, you should stay in Hawaii forever. <laughs> this is an interesting transition phase, though, for the NFL in general, because you saw it with Russell Wilson a little bit this offseason, where the like player empowerment and franchises having to adjust to their franchise quarterbacks like, this is going to start happening a little bit more, and I he looks incredibly happy. He's, I mean, this is – he's living his best life. I love this for Aaron Rodgers, the way he's able to enjoy his offseason. But my point – my greater point is this. The uh, player, like, empowerment, you've seen it a lot in the NBA. I think it's kind of coming now to the NFL, and it's, it's fascinating to watch because the NFL – is uh you know is a league where there's 53 guys and 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 it's harder to build a roster and you can't 
say, okay, this one guy gets all the preferential treatment, but Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, some of these guys deserve it. And I think Aaron Rodgers deep down knows, like his one trump card in all of this, he knows he's been there. He's played these games. He's been in this locker room. He's been in this organization. He knows how much Aaron Rodgers, the talent, basically hides the lack of talent around the roster and makes up for all these things. And he knows what the Packers product is going to look like without him under center. And it's not pretty. Like Aaron Rodgers, you might want to say he's mercurial. He's, you know, what what is a complicated fellow? All these things. I hate him. But if you if you're gonna sit here and say he's not one of, if not the best quarterback playing right now, like you're crazy. That's what the guy does. You, he makes everyone so much better and he makes everyone's job so much easier that maybe sometimes you should put up with a little bit from him and maybe sometimes you should bend a little bit and be a little more flexible and not have this hard line stance where it's organization over everything. I don't know the right answer. I just know that if I were a GM, I would do everything to keep a guy like Aaron Rodgers happy so that we don't get to this spot. You know, I don't know if you and I have talked about this. If we have, it hasn't been recent. But I'm a firm believer that for the true franchise quarterbacks, and every team wants its starting quarterback to to essentially be a member of management among the employees. They want the quarterback to set the tone, get there early, stay there late study film, hold teammates accountable, be the one who sends the message that comes from the coaching staff or the front office and helps get the guys on board with it. If that's how you view your quarterback, and I think that's how you need to take advantage of his position of inherent leadership, when it's time to have the management meeting, you can't slam the door in his face. You can't tell him, "You, you, you just work here. That's what the Packers have consistently done to Aaron Rodgers. That's what the Seahawks reportedly did to Russell Wilson last year when he was trying to get them to fix their offense on the fly. And when you see Tom Brady getting everything he wants from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he's driving the bus, he's in charge, and they they have no qualms about it. Bruce Arians throwing him the keys. I think that's caused these other quarterbacks to say, what the hell? What we see and it worked. They they let Brady run the show and it worked. Why don't we have a little more say? Well, it, it, let's let's hold on one second with the Brady thing. Brady, that roster was really good, and it wasn't Tom Brady building that roster. It, it is no, no, I, but, I but do he got Rob Gronkowski are, there, and he got yeah. Antonio Brown there, and he got everything he wanted. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I do think the Bucks are kind of needling it to the Packers a little bit with all these reports about how he's he's deciding the roster and he's helping with the wide receivers. I think the list, to be totally honest, Mike, and I know there'll be people, people who will push back on this. When you're talking true, true franchise quarterbacks, the list right now of guys that we're saying that the management should do everything to keep happy is three. It's Tom Brady, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't even put Russell Wilson in that list. Russell Wilson is a fantastic talent. I don't think that Russell Wilson elevates their entire roster to a level where it's like he can fix everything with his play. And Tom Brady's more on reputation. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers are more on play right now where – they, if you if you make a mistake in your roster building, they can fix it by being that special. And if that's the case, guess what? If you're the GM, you got to look at him, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, and say, he makes my job easier. He makes me look good. I want to make sure that he is happy and everything is working here because I will get more money. And again, at the end of the day, we know this, Mike. 
the NFL is a very selfish league when it comes to all of these front offices, organizations. Everyone's looking out for themselves. That's the part I don't understand. If you're the GM of the Packers, looking out for yourself here would be to keep Aaron Rodgers happy and keep him playing for the Green Bay Packers. On Russell Wilson, I'll agree with you to a point. I, I think that he's not that guy like Mahomes, Brady, and Rodgers because they don't let him be that guy. And I think that's one of the pressure points. He wants to be Mahomes. He wants to I, have that same – whether or not he's able to pull it off, we don't know. But he wants the offense to run through him. And there's the tension between him and Pete Carroll who wants to play defense and run the ball. And they were letting Russ cook last year until – the defense has caught up with what they had changed with their offense and they weren't able to bust through it. And Pete Carroll took the whole team back into a shell and that's how it went down the stretch. I'll put Deshaun Watson close to that category too, though, because the Texans have a crap roster around him and he had a hell of a year last year. And this all started with Watson. And I know it got derailed with the off field issues, but this all started because why they're looking for a coach, they're looking for a GM. They asked for his input. He says, Hey, interview Eric Bieniemy, they don't at first interview Robert Sala they don't and it gets back to that whole thing you either work here or you're part of management and too many of these teams have a you just work here attitude with guys that they shouldn't uh fair point on Deshaun Watson um who who knows what's going to happen with the rest of this year you know where is what's going to happen with the Texans I don't even I don't even think about the Texans every now and then someone brings them up I'm like oh yeah that's still a franchise uh, Russell Wilson, it's been so long since I've been on that, and I love Russell, I love watching Russell Wilson, but I'm, I'm firmly in the camp that we as like the media don't really criticize Russell Wilson enough for some of these playoff losses and some of these later season collapses. And I, I don't know. I just think the shine's a little off for me with Russell Wilson. He's still, I would take him the, the happiest I was in the off season before Justin Fields got drafted was the day and a half that Russell Wilson was a fake bear. I He's a phenomenal talent. I'm not saying he's not a top five, top ten quarterback. I'm just saying there's a distinct, distinct difference in Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson in my mind. I did wonder how close they came to contacting the family of Bronco Nagurski to see if they would consent to number three being unretired so that Russell Wilson could wear it. There was that period of time where it looked like they were going to do it, but why? Why? Because Wilson wants to be with Nagy because Nagy was in Kansas City for the first year of Patrick Mahomes before he played, but he was there when Mahomes was a rookie and was learning, and the idea was, the thinking is, Matt Nagy would be like Andy Reid and say, we're going to make this all work through you. I think that was the attraction to Chicago. That, why are you shaking your head? Because if, if Russell Wilson's decision-making is that Matt Nagy could be like Andy Reid, I don't want him on the bench because that's not the correct decision. That's terrible. That you have to question everything he thinks if that was what he was thinking. Uh, appearing next uh, on Pardon My Take, Matt Nagy, Bears coach. I'd um, love to have so, him on. Uh, I would be not. You I, know, I know me. I, know, I don't. Just, I wouldn't be mean, but I would say, hey, man, like there are times when the moment is too big for you. So I'm sure I think we're talking about him yeah. next, which I have some criticisms for him. Well, we, we will be talking about the uh, about the Bears in the next segment, but with Rodgers, look, I I think this does end with him showing up, and I really do think that deep down Mark Murphy would prefer that he didn't because this is the perfect transition year because if he doesn't show up, they can blame him 
first of all. He's under contract for three more years. And I think, you know, the fans will tend to line up behind the laundry like they always do. It drives me crazy but when the fans side with the billionaires over the millionaires. Of course, in Green Bay, there's no billionaire to get behind. You really are getting behind the laundry. And you're a part owner if you've got that $200 piece of paper that you hang on the wall in your basement because you have one share of Green Bay Packers stock. So it's easier to get behind the team. And I think that's what Murphy wants. He, he doesn't show up. The fans line up behind the team. Rodgers is the bad guy like Favre was in 2008, even though they didn't want Favre there either. Jordan Love gets a year where he goes out and whatever happens, happens. And we don't have to worry about Rodgers as a Bronco or a Raider or with some other team ending up in the Super Bowl. And we get $35 million back between salary and bonuses and cap space that can be yeah. used on other positions with the team. And then by 2022, we trade him. We get three three first-round picks for him. And we move on with our new organization post-Rodgers. I think for everything you just laid out, it, it would work. Uh, and obviously, play, you know, fans, you're right, would get behind the laundry. I think you'd have to get the picks before this season. I think you'd want to trade him before this season. Why? And then it's a, because Why? then it is that clean move on. Like what you're saying right now makes sense. Like the – Hey, it's 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 in the it's in the rear view. We've moved on. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up and doesn't play this year and he's not traded, it you know how that works. It's a conversation the entire season. And if Jordan Love starts poorly, it's like, well, where's Aaron Rodgers? Can we bring him back? So I think you'd want for for what you just said, what you just laid out to actually work, it needs to be a clean. He's no longer a Green Bay Packer. He is a Denver Bronco or someone else. These are the picks we have. This is what we're planning on doing going forward. We'll, you know, see a week one. We'll pack the place and everyone will buy their, their stupid cheese heads. I like the idea of trading him as late as possible so that he can't show up in Denver and take them to the Super Bowl. And really, you put him in Denver with the Chiefs and Mahomes in the same division. It's going to be a little bit more difficult than it would be in another place for him to have a great season. I mean, if Brady had gone to the Chargers or the Raiders or the Broncos last year, I don't know that you guarantee he's going to make it to the Super Bowl because he's got to deal with Mahomes in his own division. But well, but they you know they still they still didn't win the division in the NFC South and got hot and won the Super Bowl. So I won't put anything past Brady. But as it relates to the timing here, here's my concern from the Packers' standpoint: if you trade him. Between now and week one, you're going to get less than if you wait until after the season. Because the 2021 draft, obviously, come and gone. You're going to get draft picks in 22. Either way, if you trade them now, if you trade them in March. I just think if you wait till March, you're going to have 10 teams that may come to the table. Right now, where's your leverage to get the best possible deal? You got the Broncos and maybe the Raiders, although they all the stuff we're hearing about Derek Carr and John Gruden, and uh, maybe the Raiders wouldn't be interested. Maybe they want to let it ride with Derek Carr again. So if you got one team who's trying to get the guy, you're not going to get the same deal you could get in March when we've gone through another season of football and teams have decided, yeah, our guy sucks. We got to find somebody else, and they're gonna they're gonna show up for the auction for the Aaron Rodgers contract. I think the leverage still is with the Broncos. Is like you know this is your magic bullet. Like, this is the, the the John – if you called up John Elway and you're like, hey, last few years haven't been so fun, have they? Well, guess what? I give you – you know, we do this trade, you're back. You're back to legendary status, team building, everything. Like, that roster is ready to go. Vic Fangio will not bother Aaron Rodgers. He will just run the defense and not bother. Like, that team, they can compete with anyone, 
and that's the it is it is basically just taking that magic ball like that. You you agree with that though, Mike? Like if you're John Elway, I don't care about leverage. If well, someone calls you up, if if the Green Bay Packers call you up and say, "Hey, John, like it has it has not been fun. People have questioned you. Your your legacy in Denver is starting to get a little iffy here. If you still can't figure out quarterbacks, guess what can fix all of that? Aaron Rodgers. It's basically the flex seal. You're just there's a big hole, water coming out, and you slap Aaron Rodgers on it, and everything's fixed in Denver. That's the that's the flex seal now. You're yeah, you know the flex seal now. You know, you know the I commercial know flex seal. when the guy I there's know, this big hey. cylinder of water. He's like, boom! That's Aaron Rodgers. That is. L- let me just say this though: when the time comes to talk to the Denver Broncos, and and it's been a while since we talked. I don't know. You've been away. Yeah, John Elway don't work here no more. He don't shine shoes no more. Elway yeah, ain't in charge anymore. Okay, Mike. He you got bought a, that. He got fired. Yes, he got fired into a bigger job. He promoted himself. Yeah, he no, promoted no, no, himself. No, 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 he's 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 out. George Payton's the guy you got to call now, which is fine because Payton was in Minnesota all those years. He knows what Rodgers can do. Fangio was with the Bears. He knows. The one concern I have about the Broncos is this. Fangio isn't going to bother him because Fangio's the defensive guy. Pat Shermer's the offensive coordinator. Pat Shermer is so tightly wound that he's had Mike Holmgren one of the most tightly wound and profane coaches of the past 25 years advise him to lighten up Francis. That's how tightly wound Pat Shermer well, fire is. Fire Pat so, Shermer. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, but just let Aaron Rodgers handpick whoever comes in. Or just let Aaron Rodgers run the offense like Tom Brady does in, in yes. Tampa, although that's not the truth. Uh, I... I, I I, I can't rule out anything at this point because I, I'm having a hard time really reading the tea leaves here. And Aaron Rodgers likes that. I'm a firm believer this whole beautiful mystery thing is something he's concocted. It's something he feeds. It's something he wants. He is the classic pro athlete or slash celebrity that wants to be the center of attention but wants to reserve the right to be upset when everyone pays attention to him. Do you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, absolutely. He's a uh, complicated fella, which really, I love that quote because it's essentially, he's a jerk. That's all you're saying. If you ask, if someone asked me, how's Mike Florio? I wouldn't be like, well, he's kind of complicated. Like, no, he's a good guy. You know, terrible lawyer, good guy. But I, like that, that would be what I would say. <laughs> yes. What? I would. That's what I would say. Um, but, but here was the kicker. Here's the kicker too. And Sims caught this. Mark Murphy not only said he's a complicated fella, he said uh, he's a complicated fella, and I'll leave it at that. Right. Which, which is which is the twist of the knife, right? But uh, you know, I, it's like I'm going to stop there before I really get myself into trouble, bearing my soul in what I believe as to this individual. I I can't imagine saying answering like he's a complicated fella and having that be a good thing, ever. Yeah. Well, uh. and I, he likes he likes to be complicated, and and that's that's the thing. They've dealt with this guy since 2005. Now, pre-Farve retirement, they didn't have to deal with him. Once he became the starter, they had to deal with him. And my guess is they've tolerated a lot over the years from Aaron Rodgers because he's so damn good. It's kind of like a miniature version of Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh because there's no reason to believe that Rodgers has been as over-the-top diva-ish as Brown was in Pittsburgh. But... Mike Tomlin dealt with it quietly. We didn't know about it from 2010 through 2018. 
Then once Tomlin decided, you know what, Brown's not the guy he used to be, and I've had a decade of this. I've had a belly full of Antonio Brown. See you later. I kind of feel like there's a little bit of that going on with the Packers. Not nearly to the same extent, but just like, you know, this, this guy's been keeping us on our toes since 2008, and it'd be kind of nice to go back to having a quarterback that we don't have to tiptoe around all the time. Yeah, and it blows up the entire facade. I mean, what, football is the one sport where they love to cling to the idea that no one's bigger than the team and that everyone gets treated the same. And, you know, Bill Belichick won all those Super Bowls because he treated Tom Brady just like the 53rd guy on the roster. Well, guess what? Time has changed a little bit. And when you have talent that is way better than everyone else at that position, you do change how you deal with them. And I, I'd push back on the Bill Belichick thing. I bet you he doesn't treat everyone exactly the same. If you read any of the stories about Lawrence Taylor when he was dominating for the Giants, he had a different set of rules than everyone else on the roster, and that's just the reality of pro sports. So I think when it gets like when the curtain gets pulled back and it's like, hey, wait, are the Packers really not treating Aaron Rodgers? Like that's the, that's on the Packers to me because the in in pro sports in the NFL, if you have a guy who deserves to be treated differently because he's so good, you treat him differently and you suck it up and that's just what you do. I agree. But once the slippage begins, you can't wait to not have to treat that guy differently anymore. That there's a price to be paid for getting different treatment. Once you start to slip, they're done. That's it. We've been yeah. dealing with this too long. We're not going to deal with it anymore. We, we, we were willing to deal with it when you were dominant. You're not dominant anymore. We're, we're going we're gonna to roll the dice with a guy that doesn't make us have a separate set of rules, that doesn't constantly create stress for the organization because we got to worry about what's Aaron going to think of this? What's Aaron going to think of that? I mean, they knew damn well what they were doing when they pulled the pin on that grenade. And he can say it's not about Jordan Love. And Jordan Love just, I feel bad for Jordan Love. Jordan Love is the only guy in all of this who has zero blame and can't and is just caught in the middle of it. Even, even Matt LaFleur, he took that job. Matt LaFleur is caught in the middle of it. But he had to know when he walked through the door, I may be stepping into a bit of a mess here in the final years of Aaron Rodgers' career and whatever tension there may be with the front office. Jordan Love got drafted into it. He had no choice whatsoever. And, you know, at some point, they need to be thinking about doing right by him. Yeah, well, I have this idea um, that they should do away with the drafts and players should get to pick their own teams. Yes, yes. I, now you're trolling me. Uh, let's, let's take a break. And let me tell you, it's a damn good idea, and maybe we'll find a spot to talk about it later today, although uh, I don't know. we got a full show. When we return, we're going to talk Bears. We're going to talk Justin Fields. We're going to talk Matt Nagy. We're going to talk a little Mitchell Trubisky as well. PFT Live continues right after this. I'm curious, on a, on a lighter note, what your experience at Wrigley was like last weekend. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, it was definitely awesome in the, the standing ovation. Uh, it was a little bit longer than I expected, but I definitely felt the love from the uh, Chicago fans. And uh, it was definitely a scene that uh, that I've, I've never seen before. You know, just that traditional uh, build and that, that, that stadium, just seeing that atmosphere was definitely awesome. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely have to go back and of course I'll have to catch me Sox game too. So, and I, for the record, I, I don't want to split half and half Cubs and Sox. So I'm a <laughs> Sox and Cubs fan. Just for the record. Savvy. 
Justin Fields talking about the ovation he received at a Cubs game recently. Is th- is that something that flies in Chicago? Trying no. to ride both sides of the White no. Sox Cubs bandwagon? No. I think John Cusack might do that. Um, I I appreciate <laughs> watching that. No, I seriously he might. I I, I appreciate uh, watching that and and having a flashback there of. I remember it so vividly. I wasn't watching, but I was listening on the radio because I was going to the Arkansas Derby. Flew into Memphis, drove the Arkansas Derby. The Cubs were playing Friday afternoon, best time slot in, in the entire world in sports. Uh, and they had Mike Glennon throwing out the first pitch, and he did the in-game interview, and they're like, what does it feel like to be QB1? And then they drafted Mitch Trubisky. So the Cubs, sorry, the Bears at least are learning that don't trot out your quarterback until after the draft because then you can trot out the correct one and not say, hey, we have Andy Dalton at Wrigley today. Everyone, please clap. And there are so many parallels between what happened four years ago. Glennon comes in, free agency, gets the contract that implies he is QB1. Then the drafting of the quarterback happens. Four years ago, it was Trubisky. This year, obviously, it was Justin Fields. But there still is the persistent sense, like there was in 2017 when John Fox was the coach that the veteran is going to be the week one starter no matter what. And and look, I, I, I'm told that Dalton was told when he signed, you're the guy week one. And I don't know how they walk that back, especially if Fields ends up being pretty damn good and the locker room's like, we got to go with this guy. I guess at a certain point, you just have to say to Andy Dalton, sorry, man. I mean, here's the film. I, we can't, we, we're trying to win football games here. If, if Fields is that good. But Dalton's under the impression he's the guy week one because he was told he's the guy week one when he signed the one-year deal with the Bears. And that's the part I do not understand, Mike. I think I am not going to sit here and tell you that Justin Fields should be the week one starter because I don't know. I, I'm not watching the practice. I'm not a football coach. What I do know, though, is if you're smart and you run a smart organization and you're a smart coach, you leave it up to competition. That is the best football coaches will always say, you know, it's a competition. We want our best guys out there. So I don't know why Matt Nagy came out this week and said, well, he, uh, there's nothing I could see that could happen that wouldn't have Andy Dalton being the week one starter. What, how? What, what, what are you talking about? What if Justin Fields is the greatest quarterback you've ever seen? You're really not going to start him? It's just that's such a, a, a boxed-in thinking that I, I it drives me insane because – a good coach, and I know you know he could say one thing, do another, but I think he actually believes it. I think he's saying this is the right thing to do, have Andy Dalton. No, the right thing to do is put out the best player. And if it's Justin Fields, that should be the guy who starts week one. And I'm not saying that you should hurry up his you know his timeline. I'm not saying if it's, if it's even that you start Justin Fields. No, no. If Justin Fields is that much better than Andy Dalton, let's just say it, he should start. That's just what a winning organization does, not trot out and say, well, Andy Dalton's a week one starter no matter what. I've got some thoughts on that. I will hold them until after we hear a little bit from Matt Nagy talking about this very situation as it relates to whoever the starting quarterback will be week one, Sunday night football on NBC when the Bears play the Rams. Here's Nagy. I'll give you updates as we go as to how the guys are doing. But as far as the depth chart goes, this is where we're at with Andy as the one, with, with Justin as the two, with Nick as the three. But all three of those guys know that you need to produce, you need to play well, you need to compete, you need to be the best quarterback you can be. And then it's going to be really pretty easy for us to be able to see who that is and how that goes. 
and then there'll be a process and a plan. We're going to stick to that. It's not going to change tomorrow. That plan's not going to change tomorrow. The plan is not going to change in training camp. The plan is a, is a, is a plan and it's been thought out. And so as we go, um, I'm just taking some time on this question because I think, you know, this could go every day. And I just want you to know that, that that's kind of, as we go here, where I'm at, you know, and so um, depth chart wise, but to go back to your original question hub, if that was the case, yes, then um, uh, Justin would be our starter. You know, they said back in 2012, Pete Carroll was so brave to start Russell Wilson as a rookie over Matt Flynn, the guy they gave the eight-figure signing bonus to. And, and it wasn't. It would have been brave to not start Russell Wilson because everybody in the building knew that Wilson was clearly superior. That's the point that you're getting at. If there's one guy who emerges as the best guy, whoever it is, he needs to be the quarterback. But here's what I think Matt Nagy is doing. Matt Nagy is incorporating into – this quarterback situation, the same approach Andy Reid used four years ago with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. Because you know what? If they had had a full and fair and open competition in 2017, maybe Mahomes would have won it as a rookie. Maybe I had Travis Kelsey on this program during the 2017 season, and the issue came up with Mahomes at practice. And Kelsey said, this guy is doing amazing things. Reid's force of personality, I think, was able – to hold the locker room together behind Alex Smith for that one year. But but that was the deliberate plan. One year, Alex Smith plays, we get Mahomes ready. And I feel like Nagy's trying to do that same thing. And I think it's apples and oranges. But I think that's what he's trying to do. No offense to Andy Dalton. Had him on our show. Very nice guy. Actually, I'm going to give him a ton of credit because everything I've read, he has been exactly what you'd, you'd hope from a veteran quarterback in terms of a uh, you know rookie quarterback coming in and him helping him and him not saying, I'm threatened by him, he's helped Justin Fields. Alex Smith was better than Andy Dalton, and that thing was going. You know what I mean? Like So it doesn't, it doesn't apply because what they, what, they win 10 games a year before and went to the playoffs? Like uh, you, you could say, oh, yeah, the Bears went to the playoffs this year. They invented a seventh seed just so the Bears could lose on Nickelodeon, okay? <laughs> that, they didn't go to the playoffs. I don't want to hear it. I really don't. They weren't, like, good. They weren't good. That wasn't – this isn't a cohesive thing that's going forward. They're trying to put it back together, and they're trying to do it from the quarterback position because everything else was ready to go. You know what I mean? This defense is not getting younger. The, it, like, this is – the window is – they're in a weird spot right now where – the, you know, the, we, we've talked about it a million times. That the, the plan going forward for most franchises, especially when they're looking at quarterback, is find that young quarterback on a rookie deal, build up your roster around him in those first four or five years. That's when you have to win. So what are we doing here? Like, the defense is ready to go. And, again, this is all just saying Justin Fields is doing great and he's way better than Andy Dalton. But if those things are true, like, what are we doing here? That, that It's a wasted year, in my opinion, of a defense that is not getting younger. Yeah, Chiefs were 12-4 and four the year before they drafted Patrick Mahomes. They had to spring from 27 up to 10 to get him. And, and it was easier 
to justify sitting him. It was Alex Smith had equity, years of equity, playoff appearances built up with the Kansas City Chiefs. But exactly. there was a general understanding that they had gotten as far as an organization as they could possibly go. And this is a franchise that had been trying for almost 50 years to get back to the Super Bowl. They had had good seasons that never quite ended the way they wanted to. They had so many home playoff losses. I think it was the perfect time for them to do what they did. But again, that's what makes it apples and oranges. This is a different situation. Andy Dalton has no equity with the Bears. This is a team that is desperately groping in the dark for a franchise quarterback. And you mean to tell me that you're going to slow down the development of the guy who may be the one simply because you made a promise to Andy Dalton in March? That, that to me, is where it all falls apart. And and people love to point to the Patrick Mahomes. They love to point to the Aaron Rodgers. And I think, for the most part, those are the exceptions, not the rules. Because those guys, again, if Andy Dalton was 12 and four last year, took the Bears to 12 and four in a play and won the NFC North, like I would be sitting here right now being like, yeah, of course you got to roll with Andy Dalton, see if it's still the magic is still there. That's that says it all. Alex Smith was a good quarterback. He was 12 and four. That team was rolling. They could take a chance on a guy who coming into the draft, people were like, hey, Texas Tech, who knows and build him up and get him to a spot where he's going. But that's the exception, not the rule. I think that in today's NFL, you see it a lot more. Guys start right away because you want to start that clock. You want to get your guy ready to go and have that window where you have him cheaper than you will have him if he becomes that big-time franchise quarterback then then takes up tons of salary cap. Let's hear from Justin Fields on his development as a rookie and the extent to which he expects to get some help from the veteran Andy Dalton. Here's Fields. My job is strictly to get better, uh, be the best quarterback I can be, and uh, you know help my team win. So that's that's what I'm going to do. Whether it's starting, whether it's you know sitting, um, I'm going to do whatever uh, is that's that's going to help us win. So yeah. I've learned a lot of things. I, I couldn't even name off a, a few things, but I mean, he's, he's talked to me a lot. Uh, I actually went to dinner with him and his wife. So we talked a lot there and um, kind of just his, his background and stuff like that, their story. But I mean, Andy and Nick, they've, they've been awesome. I mean, probably bigger than you guys even, even though um, just, just, yeah. I mean, Andy's completely taken me under his wing. Uh, any question that I have for him, uh, he's, he's, he's going to answer. And then even when I'm throwing, uh, I think there was one day out, uh, after OTAs, I was throwing extra after packs, and he stayed out there specifically just to, you know, uh, see maybe what I was doing wrong and he was just trying to help, help me out. So, I mean, he's, he's been a huge help for sure. I mean, that's good, and that's part of being a teammate, and that's the, the tension that's inherent to being the older guy who knows he's not going to be there for very long and the younger guy who's trying to learn the ropes. And when you're in that interpersonal situation, it's kind of hard to be a jerk and just kind of give the cold shoulder to the rookie and be overly protective of the job that you may not keep for very long anyway. So it's good that Andy Dalton is doing what he's doing, but I think that would be the normal human thing to do if you're trying to have some sort of spirit of camaraderie in the organization. The question is, how long will it take to get Justin Fields to the point where he, he – he is clearly the better option. There were some questions about Justin Fields. It was a surprise that the Bears traded from 20 to number 11 to get him. Sims thought he'd linger all the way to the bottom of the round. You know, Sims has concerns about that throwing motion, and it is a little clunky. It is a little funky. He's got that elbow that gets thrown out, and it takes a little longer than maybe it should to get the ball out. And Sims had other concerns about Justin Fields. That The, the, the notion that, that he's got epilepsy may have caused some teams to view him differently uh, just because that's a health concern that other quarterbacks don't have. It's unfortunate that that's the way it is 
But that's the way it is. They look at the total package of who they're drafting. But, uh, you know, I, I look, having him at number 11 puts an added degree of expectation and pressure and intensity and urgency on his development. And uh, even if they plan to have Andy Dalton as the week one starter, Bears fans, they're going to be going nuts waiting yeah. for Justin Fields to get out there. And, it, it, you know, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, this is – this is that we talked about the uh, you know the the magic bullet in, in with Aaron Rodgers and going to Denver. This is it for them. This is their magic bullet. They had to do this. They have to they have to have Justin Fields be good this year. Otherwise, it's curtains on them because you don't. I mean, it's it's almost unprecedented at this point that Ryan Pace gets to decide another quarterback. So they need they need him to play and they need him to play well. So everyone feels the pressure. Don't you think, though, that when whoever it was in the organization that authorized the trade-up to get Justin Fields, implicit in that is you can't have Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy on the hot seat this year. You have to give Fields two no. years to show no. who he is. No. What a mess that would be, though. You fire the Mike, GM and the coach and about- hire new ones who don't want Justin Fields? Mike, you're talking about the Bears. Everything you just said would be fine if the Bears had any logic. Ted Phillips was probably like, I don't care. Just draft them. They, 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 no. they don't make sense. They don't run no. well. There's, I mean, the fact that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy got to decide the next quarterback is stupid to begin with. Like, that shouldn't – Here's my what? here's my theory. You want my theory? Yeah, My theory is Ted Phillips – Ted Phillips is on the hot seat with them this time, the 20-plus years. He's the common threat. He's, He's the guy gonna... who's been hiring all these people to get fired. I'm telling you, I think that – because when it happened 2019 season – when the train was starting to roll in that direction, Phillips was attached to it. I know we I mean, attached the, him to it. We're like, it's a fair question. How long it, does a guy who has, yeah, who doesn't well, have a football title, no. get to hire football people before he's accountable? I mean, his his it's all coming to an end anyway because when the McCaskies sell the team, Ted Phillips is gone. So uh, you could you could spin it that way as well. I just you know, think the, that that Phillips. I think Phillips is on board with it because Phillips is out the door if they are, and I think Phillips helped. I don't know this, but this is just common sense. I think Phillips helped engineer a conversation with the McCaskies that if we do this and go get a quarterback, we got to give these guys two years minimum to develop this guy. We'll see. They're not. They don't run like a normal organization with with uh, coherent thoughts. So nothing surprises me. They could. The Bears could go. Six and eleven is that the news records now? Six and eleven, Justin Fields can l- look like so so, and they might give Matt Nagy a, a ten year contract. Like who knows? Who knows? Are you being sarcastic about them selling the team? Because that is no. one of the kind no, of I think vague, they, you know. Yeah. You, no, I think they're. I think they're going to. I think. I think they want to. Uh, the Arlington Heights thing, which came out yesterday, they're trying to. You know, they, they're putting a bid to buy Arlington Heights, which for people who aren't familiar is about 30 miles outside of where or 30 miles from where Soldier Field is, 45 minute drive. It's a, a huge spot where they can put a stadium, where they can build something around it, make it state of the art. The Bears have a, a bad stadium situation. It's the smallest in the entire NFL, which is which is just like crazy because the Chicago is the biggest city without two teams. Uh, it's outdated. They renovated it 20 years ago. It's already outdated. It looks beautiful, but the Park District owns it, so the Bears don't even own their own stadium. So I think this is a two-part move, Mike. They basically are saying, hey, we want you to add more seats to Soldier Field, renovate it again, or 
we're going to bid on Arlington. We're going to we're going to buy the land, and then guess what? Someone who wants to come buy the Bears, if we had already purchased the 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 land, uh, we could be the most valuable franchise in the NFL because you'd have a state of the art stadium. You'd own it. All these things. So I you know I I would not be shocked if if the McCaskies sell in the next five years. I know that we've been saying it for a while, but they are unlike any other setup in the NFL right now where it's a mom and pop shop. It's not the McCaskies have money because they had a big, you know, uh, billion dollar corporation before the Bears. The Bears are their money. So if you're going to split up the pie and you have like a bunch of grandkids and great grandkids, you got to sell it to split up the pie. So I think that's going to happen eventually. I really do. Well, and Here's the problem. I don't want to get too far down the legal rabbit hole. After all, great guy, terrible lawyer. But the estate taxes will become an issue. How have they set this up so that when Virginia passes, they're able to pay the estate tax bill and still have enough cash on hand to operate the team? Sometimes what you got to do is start selling off equity to pay the estate tax. And there have been multiple sales over the years of NFL franchises. Jack Kent Cook, for example, had to sell. the uh, Who was the owner before Wayne Heisenga? Joe Robbie of the Dolphins. Family had to sell. They had to sell to pay the estate taxes. There's concern when Al Davis's widow passes, they're going to have to sell the Raiders to pay the estate taxes. That's going to be an issue for these families that don't have otherwise billions in the coffers and 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 you know you may be onto something here. The the, the yeah right the the Arlington uh, site and, and this rumor you know that they might sell the team has been going on forever right. But the Arlington site does give them a chip where if they were to sell the team they can either say well we have this and you can negotiate with the city of Chicago and figure out a new stadium situation or we have this and you can build your own stadium. And now the you know the the price skyrockets because if the Bears own their own stadium, it's a state of the art stadium. You can have a Super Bowl, you can have a WrestleMania, you can have the Final Four, you can have the Big Ten Championship game. All these events that Chicago just gets passed over for because it's you know Soldier Field small and it's outdoors. I it changes the dynamic of what the price tag is and how much money that the McCaskies could potentially reap from this sale. And let me say on behalf of the folks at Peacock, since Peacock exclusively streams WrestleMania, thank you for listing WrestleMania before the Final Four. Let me throw one more curveball at you before we move on, because we have a fun little exercise we're going to do to cap this segment. Is Chicago big enough to have two teams, two NFL teams? I mean, yeah, population-wise, because you, like I said, it's the third biggest city. that It's the biggest city in the NFL that doesn't have two teams. L.A. and, and New York obviously have two teams. I... I don't think would it you work? Can't. Would two teams work? I don't think so. I do not think so. I do not think so. I think it would be a very hard sell just because it's steeped in tradition, and it would be a very, very hard sell in my mind. I because I, if they're if someone's going to buy that team and build their own, it's the Stan Kroenke model. You you build the stadium, and then you have a tenant, another Chicago team, and as as these other teams start looking around for stadium situations and they may be disgruntled, dissatisfied with theirs, and they don't want to have to pay all of it and they try to find somebody to pay part of it. I, I've been saying for a few years now that and, – and if there's expansion of the league, which I think is coming in the next five to ten years, they haven't talked about it yet, but I think they will, I think a second team in Chicago makes sense. And if there's a, a, a state-of-the-art stadium that holds 80,000 people and it's you know 
30 miles outside of town. I, 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 I think that it's something to keep an eye on. All right. Here's, here's a little game we're going to play. Rookie minicamp quotes. And the question is, was the quote from Justin Fields or Mitchell Trubisky? Or does it relate to Justin Fields or Mitchell Trubisky? And let's begin. He's very accurate, very smart. He's got good football character. Is that about Trubisky or Fields? This is a mean exercise. I do not like this. Uh, that wasn't Mitch my Trubisky. idea, but I fully endorse it. Yes, yeah, that's Mitch Trubisky. Correct. That's Mitch Trubisky. Okay. And that was John Fox, former coach of the Bears on Trubisky. His mechanics were really good. I thought he seemed super calm. That's Mitch Trubisky as well. That's Matt Nagy on Justin oh. Fields. Mechanics oh. good, super calm. Here's okay. another one. This is a player about one of these two quarterbacks. He's definitely going to be a great player and a great leader. It's just the demeanor with which he carries himself. That's Mitch Trubisky. That quote yes. is from Kyle Ty- Long. It's actually from Adam Shaheen. Oh, uh, who baby Gronk. now with the Dolphins. Yes, baby uh, Gronk. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah we, we traded him to the Dolphins. Baby Gronk. That was a nice – that was the Ryan Pace uh, draft where they're like, well, this is the – we're doing the Saints model. They got Mitch Trubisky's going to be Drew Brees, Adam Sheen's going to be Jimmy Graham, and uh, it's going to all work and it's all going to be great. And, uh, yeah, how'd that go? Well, they're both in the AFC East now. The ball yeah. did not touch the ground very much, so that part was good. Which quarterback That's Mitch that Trubisky. To? Yeah, that's got to be Mitch Trubisky, that's, right? That's Matt Nagy on fields. You're just oh, you're wow. so – you can't get over Trubisky. All right. No, I, think I just figured you were going to do all Mitch Trubisky quotes. I thought that's what – listen, not to tell you how to do your job, but you don't really know comedy. That's what I would have done if I were you. I did, this isn't my idea. I, I, did I not say this wasn't my idea? I think it's one of his greatest strengths that he has, being able to have that accurate deep ball. Mm. All right, fine. I'll say that this is Justin Fields, just to, to – You're so right. You can, oh, okay. Is there one that's like – Matt Nagy on Justin I, Fields. He pulled up in his car, and I loved that he was still driving a 2000 Toyota Camry. I'm, I'm made for this. I'm built for this. It's nothing new to me. Was that Trubisky or Fields? Ooh, I feel like that's Justin Fields. That is Fields. All right. When I'm out there, they want. When I'm out there, they want to see me run the show. That is probably that's Justin Fields. Who said that? That's Trubisky. Who Last said that? One. Who said that? Trubisky said it. When I'm out there, they want me to run oh. the show. Oh, but who, when was it? What year? I don't know. We don't know. I just – oh, that was his rookie, rookie year. Oh, yeah, it's all rookie, rookie year. year. Rookie minicamp. I was going to say so that would be very funny quotes. if that was under Matt Nagy because that's the opposite of what they did. They never let him run yes. the show. Here's the last one. Ryan Pace just bought himself another three years. <laughs> that was said after the drafting of which quarterback? I mean, if this isn't – if this isn't Justin Fields, that's very funny. No, it's Trubisky, and you said it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, sure. This is a, a round and around and around. Justin Fields is the only thing that could change. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I, they don't get a pass from me. They don't get a pass for having to trade up, for having to overextend for another quarterback because they screwed up the first one. That doesn't, that's not how anyone should think. 
If Justin Fields is great, which I want him to be great, I hope he's great, the Ryan Pace still doesn't get a pass because he did this out of necessity because he screwed up the other time. And it's not just that they screwed up with Trubisky. It's that they left Mahomes on the board. They are never going to get away from that ghost of what could have been with Mahomes until they have their own Mahomes. I think that added to the urgency. I think that's not that I want to get into the 49ers, but I think one of the reasons why the 49ers have been kind of all over the place with quarterbacks and what and trading up too early and not knowing who they were going to take and evaluating three different guys and maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start. I think that they are still shell-shocked from not evaluating Patrick Mahomes and realizing how special he was and saying no to Tom Brady last year. I just think you've got a lot of franchises out there trying to turn the page on past mistakes where it wasn't just we picked the wrong guy, we ignored the right guy. And the Bears clearly ignored the right guy in Patrick Mahomes. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Cole Beasley would like to see the manager. Uh, Just a short segment on what's going on as players react to the 2021 vaccination and COVID rules. More PFT Live right after this. 